Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to Crucial Conversations. I'm your co-host Peter with my co-host friend Kevin. Are you sure? I have no you're idea. You're still not sure. This is like our fifth episode together, and you're still not sure. You've never, never called, called me co-host before. It's freaking oh, me out. I don't. Well, see, but we have to be a little bit official because we have a guest. Yes. So we have a different status now because we have a special guest joining us, and that is Pastor Peter Ill from Trinity Lutheran Church in Millstadt, Illinois. Emphasis apparently on special. <laughs> well, that rem- I suppose that remains to be seen. That's fair if this too. is actually special yeah. or not. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you are uh, just discovering crucial conversations, we are all about teaching you Christianity so you can pass it on. That's what we do here at Crucial Productions. If you wish to support that endeavor financially, that would be great. We would appreciate anything you could give. Head over to crucialproductions.org slash give. There are several ways to do it. Some extremely easy and some slightly more involved. But anything you do to help would be much appreciated. Also, you can pretty much find us anywhere on social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the Grokmoot, which is our Facebook group. You can join that and have discussions kind of like we're going to have today. How do you spell that? Grokmoot? Yeah. It's, it just rolls off the tongue. Just like it sounds. G-R-O-K-M-O-O-T. But there's a link in the description down below, so you don't even have to worry about figuring out how to spell it because you can just scroll down a little bit in your podcast app and there's a link right there. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah. It doesn't get much cooler than... Wait, actually, it's about to get a lot cooler. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Are we available on podcasting apps? We are on basically any podcasting app. Just do a search for Crucial Conversations, and you'll find us. I'm assuming you found us on the website at this point, if I'm telling you that here. Yeah, Yeah, no kidding. So, yeah, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, we're definitely in those. And they kind of propagate to all the other ones as well. So, cool. There we go. Last week... Kevin and I talked about trust, and we talked about who we trust in particularly, uh, which is really, really, really important. Um, It's something we will continue to emphasize in Crucial Conversations and in all the other things that we do with Crucial Productions, this whole idea of trust, particularly trusting in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, what that means, what that looks like. Um, that's that's really critical. So we're going to continue that conversation. That's why we've got Pastor Ill here with us today to talk more about that, but also to talk about, okay, what happens when that trust gets misplaced or goes in the wrong direction? What does that look like? How do we recognize it? It looks bad. It's what it looks like. It's not good. You no, know, not good yeah, at all. Yeah, no. So our faith is in Jesus. And I know that sounds really simple and really easy, but there are all kinds of ways that as a sinful person, full of concupiscence, I come up with all kinds of ways to uh, block that out. I just used Kevin's favorite word before he did. That means I win. Yeah, it's it's his concupiscence that makes him want to win. Well, concupiscence doesn't make me win. Uh, It makes you want to. It makes me want to, that's true. Concupiscence makes me want to win, and concupiscence shows me my need for a savior. I would like to make all kinds of saviors for myself uh, that play by my rules. Jesus has this really awesome habit 
of not playing by my rules. The idea that he is the son of God who is conceived in a virgin <coughs> and born, that he suffers and dies, that's not how I would have set that up. But that's exactly how he sets it up. And he is going to come again and raise me from the dead. And that is his plan. That's fantastic. But my sinful concupiscent side really still doesn't like it. So you just used a whole lot of words to talk about Jesus. And you didn't quote any Bible passages. Not yet. Why would you do that. I thought we were sola scriptura type people. We are sola scriptura type people, but even before we're sola scriptura people, we are solo Christo people. Uh, Solus Christus? Yeah. Sorry. Solo so, Christus. I think solo Is that Christus the next Star movie? Wars movie? Yeah, that's a, oh. <laughs> kind of. I put it in the accusative because I like that. Case. Yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, well, sorry, Solus Christus. We're accusing you case. of something. Solus Christus. Uh, and so in the Reformation, people would talk about the three solas, those three onlys, faith alone, scripture alone, and grace, grace alone. But even before we get to grace and faith and scripture, first we have Christ alone. Uh, since you asked for a Bible verse, one of them comes from the Gospel of John, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. As in, he's the only one. Where is that in John? It's in John 14, isn't it? It is. So he's explaining things to his disciples before he goes where? To the cross. Yeah. I mean, think about that. That's what he says. And then he goes and he dies. And the disciples are looking at him going, that doesn't look like the way. It seems completely backwards. Certainly it doesn't seem like life. Doesn't seem like truth. You don't crucify people for telling the truth. Not usually. Now, this is all backwards. And Jesus comes and does what is to our sinful and concupiscent minds something that is terribly backwards. Right. So how am I supposed to trust in a guy who is totally backwards? Everything that I think logically, everything that I think emotionally, everything that I conceive of, he does basically the opposite. And that doing of the opposite is actually the means by which I am eternally saved. Exactly. So how do you trust in that? Are you looking for a mechanism? I don't know. How does that work? What do we believe about that? Ooh, we talked about this last week. Yeah. <laughs> so and th th this is, I think this is a good intro to where we're going today because we want to figure out what's what's the mechanism. I mean, this is right. what I did in my own life. I mean, last week we talked about my own reason. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to reasonably, I'm going to work this out in right. a way that intellectually it makes sense to me. Right. right. And I just trusted the intellectual making sense of it instead so, of. So now I've I've. Listen to people talk. I've done some research online, looked at the old Wikipedia there, and it seems to me like the Bible is the, the book of God, right? So I'm going to trust in that book, and that's going to lead me to, to have eternal salvation because that book is true, and so I put all my faith in that. Is that how this works, Pastor? I, I would say... Probably not. That's a really well-intentioned idea of if I look to this book, this book will uh, show me Jesus. And in a certain regard, that's true. 
because the Bible points us to Jesus. But as sinful people, we tend to want to look to the Bible and we accidentally, with good intentions, end up looking to the Bible as what our faith is in and not looking to Jesus for what our faith is in. It reminds me of, of John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When I get to go through this passage with Christians, though, I ask kind of a snotty trick question, as I do. And, <laughs> and I say, what is the Word of God? And usually they'll say, the Word of God is the Bible. And I say, well, okay, let's, let's go back and try that, uh, replacing the Word with what you said the Word of God is. And so it would be, in the beginning was the Bible, and the Bible was with God, and the Bible was God. Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's and a problem. The oh, that's, wheels that's fall good. off the bus real yeah. fast. Because the Bible isn't eternal. The Bible wasn't in the beginning with God. And the Bible itself isn't God. Wait, Wait a minute. Are, 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 you, are you suggesting, suggesting that God is not contained within the Bible? Right. Wait, what? what? The Bible points to God. The Bible confesses God. The Bible is words about God. But it isn't in itself God. God isn't locked up inside the pages of the book that you'll find on page, I don't know, 572, um, or in any combination thereof. I'm not sure what's on page 572. I'm going to look at 572 now, <laughs> but I'm on my phone. I don't want to look. How do yeah, I look probably at 572 not. on a phone? God's hiding there. But sometimes that's how we treat the Bible. Like it's a box that has God trapped inside, and when you open it up, God springs out kind of like a pop-up book. But it's not like that at all. These words of Scripture point to who God is. And as Christians, we see God and who he is in Christ. No one has seen the Father, we don't see the Holy Spirit, but indeed we see Jesus. And so when we ask the question, what, or better, who, is the Word of God, we confess that it is the Christ, the Anointed One, Jesus. And so when we go back and we say, in the beginning was the Christ, and the Christ was with God, and the Christ <laughs> is God, we say, oh, that works. But to think uh, that the Word of God equals the Bible doesn't work out at all. Okay, so this whole, as we're talking about this, I can imagine people, because I kind of feel this way sometimes, being very uncomfortable with with this line of, of thinking. Because So you started off at the beginning. Okay, we don't want to place our, well, actually, Kevin, I think you were talking about how, you know, trusting if this book is true, if this mm -hmm. book is right. Mm-hmm. Okay, then I am going to spend a lot of my time and a lot of my energy proving or reproving or gathering all the evidence I can to show that this book, you know, physically is true. But if what you're saying, as, you, as you're talking here, it's, it kind of sounds uncomfortable because it's like, well, so are we saying it's, it's not true? Are we saying that there's something wrong with it? Like what... There's, there's a discomfort here with talking about Scripture in this way. Why? 
See, yeah, I, I think, think I think that's, that's a big, a good question to ask, and and something for us to really kind of think through as we talk about this is that Scripture is given to us by God. There's no errors in it. There's no mistakes in it. It is the very Word of God, and and nothing we're saying is minimizing that at all. But Scripture was never given to us to be our God, and and life is not found through belief in the inerrancy of Scripture. That's actually not where life is found, and that's not the gift of God to give salvation to the world. The gift of God for salvation of the world is His Son, Jesus Christ. And Scripture is given to us to be the perfect testimony of Jesus Christ. You can believe every word in Scripture because they are the words the Holy Spirit has given to us that we might see who our God is in Christ Jesus. That's the content of Scripture. And what we're really working on today is how easy it is for us as well-intentioned believers, Mm -hmm. truly seeking to understand God, to know God, to trust in God, to follow Him with our lives, to devote time to God, whether it be by ourselves or their families, even in church. It's so easy for us to actually move our trust from Christ and actually put it on other things that God gave to us to be good things. But when we shift our trust away from primarily upon Jesus and put on something else, we've actually messed up. And that is not really what the Holy Spirit is teaching us to do. The Holy Spirit is always dragging us. I always say dragging because I feel like I'm kicking and screaming most times. But he's dragging us to the cross of Christ and saying, this is where your trust is. This is where your salvation is. When you have sins, bring them here. Crucify them. Even when it seems backwards, even when Jesus, who is the way and the truth and the life, when it seems like that's not the way and there's no life there and a reason can't make sense that that's true, the Holy Spirit drags us back to the cross and says, no, this is exactly where it is. It's in the cross of Christ. And I would even say, and I realize this is a little bit uncomfortable, but I would say that the word of God is bigger than the Bible and it's bigger than scripture that God's word can't be bound within the Bible. And I remember the first time I heard this, it made me really uncomfortable. I was a brand new, wet-behind-the-ears seminarian wanting to go be a pastor, and, and I was reading this article, and it said that the word of God is bigger than Scripture. And I had this crisis of maybe I can't trust my professors. Maybe I can't trust the books and the articles that I'm reading. Maybe I need to go think about doing something else with my life. It was, it was really upsetting to me. It took about two and a half years before it really finally sank in that the word of God is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ comes to people in scripture, yes, but not only in scripture. When a pastor stands up and preaches and he preaches in accordance with scripture, That is the word of God. When a pastor gets up and says that he forgives you your sins on Jesus' authority, it really happens. And that is God's word. When bread and wine that Jesus says is his body and blood is given to you, that is Jesus. And if it's Jesus, that means it is God's word that he's giving to you. We don't put our trust in pastors or at least we shouldn't, we don't and shouldn't put our trust in 
the church service itself, we don't and shouldn't put our trust in the Lord's Supper. We don't replace Jesus with any of those things. Our focus is always on Jesus because he is the word of God who took on flesh. Okay, okay so, so that's, that's all well and good, but, but I'm a Lutheran. I mean, I've been taught since I was a, a small child that the word of God is where I go to find truth. I can open this book wherever I am in the world and I can read God's holy word to me. I mean, how can you, how can you even sit there and tell me that that's not reality, that, that I'm believing the wrong thing when I do that? I don't want to just bluntly say that you're believing the wrong thing because I, I can't, I don't know your heart, one. That's God's job, not mine, and I don't want to take it over from him. It's messy in there, too. I, yeah. Probably. Ugh. But what I, what I do want to say is it's really important that we remember Jesus is where we put our faith and Jesus is where we put our trust. If I start to trust the Bible more than I trust Jesus, or even as much as I trust Jesus, then we're doing it wrong. And so we focus on trusting Jesus. How do we learn more about Jesus? The Holy Spirit drags us to scripture. And when we read scripture, we always read it with this question of, what does this say about Jesus? So this is a whole lot of intellectual, philosophical, mumbo jumbo theology, whatever, dude. Is there, but is, I like that is stuff. Is there anywhere in the Bible that it actually tells us about this? I mean, is there anywhere in the history of the church that we talk about these kind of things? Or is this just something we're going, we're really clever, we're going to podcast We've about figured this. out a problem and we're we going to point it out. it out. Woo! Yeah. I mean, is this a new thing? Is it an old thing? I mean, is this... Are there words we can use to describe this? What? This, this word, the technical definition <laughs> is the word biblicism. Uh, and I would say that biblicism is, is putting our faith primarily in the Bible, from Bible, which means right. book, or Bible in this case, and schism, which means, I don't know, something, a thing. Yeah. Um, and so it's a thing about the Bible. And when we have this thing about the Bible, when we put our trust in the Bible, instead of putting the trust into Jesus, we're in trouble. And so we, we can turn to those passages, uh, like in the Revelation to John, talks about how not a dot or an iota should be removed from, from this book, especially Revelation, but you can apply that to all of Scripture. Or you can see how uh, Paul refers to all Scripture is breathed out by God. This is most certainly true. But that doesn't mean that that Scripture or the book of Revelation or, or the whole Bible becomes the object of our faith. So, so Jesus is talking to the, the Jews, and they're reading the Bible, right? They're actually reading the Bible. And he says to them, you're reading the wrong book. This doesn't make any sense. He's like, you guys, you think you're reading these words because in them they have, you have life. But you're not getting any life from them. See, they're reading the book. The book is the most essential thing in their existence. And Jesus actually says, you're reading the right words, but you're getting nothing from it. See, this is kind of what we're getting at, is that we can actually get trapped in this reality in which as long as we're quoting scripture, we can't be wrong. 
And, and you'll see all kinds of weird teachings come from this, mm-hmm. right? Where you say, well, it's in, I found the passage in Ezekiel, and therefore, because, and, and the logic usually goes like this. Well, does God lie? No. No. Is, his, is the Bible his word? Yes. The, and therefore, God can't be lying when he says this. Therefore, it's true for you today. And, and you're kind of like, uh. <laughs> somehow no I agreed with all those things but no somehow I just got painted into a corner and I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure how it happened I'm not sure how it happened and, and, and so one of the things we also want to talk about is is we are not anti-scripture oh no at all yeah. no. this is well, this is the book that is is the book that I read all day long every day as much as I can we translate it we study it um we read it with our children, read it with our spouses, we go to church, and, and the scripture readings are a huge part of our church and, and service. And given that Crucial Productions' main project right now is the Bible in right, Five, Bible in five we, we teach you how to read every book of the Bible. Of scripture. <laughs> so in no way is this minimizing scripture, but but it is, it is actually kind of encouraging all of us to stop and think that just the, the words of the text are not magic words, right? This isn't a magic book where you open it and they glows or something. And because I've memorized a scripture passage, all of a sudden I'm saved or God is going to bless me or something. It's not that at all. Um, in the history of the church, we actually talk about ways that we read the scriptures. And this is really what we're getting at, is that biblicism elevates the scriptures into almost this magical realm of which the Bible itself is this mystical kind of existence where it's just handed down from heaven to us, and therefore it's, it's this magical word of God. But that's not the way this, the church has ever seen Scripture. Scripture has always been read and interpreted by the church, and the church has always maintained that the only way to read Scripture according to the will of God is to read it with a focus on Jesus Christ. But sometimes we can uh, kind of fall into this, this really well-meaning thing of saying, well, the Bible says it, therefore I believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, you know, I've seen and those bumper stickers. It. Yeah, and, and that, that settles it. it. That's how the bumper sticker goes. And it may be settled, but that still doesn't mean that you're properly confessing the faith. Uh, for example, Scripture says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. And... There was evening and there was morning and there were six days. That fantastic! It says it. He skipped part of the text. He, there's a couple of days in between the first one, <laughs> but you know, well, well, sure. you, yeah, that's, that's, that's just short. That's, that's the, the short version. version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm trying to move us along at just a right. touch without right. the grackle, but <laughs> the gamut. Sorry, carry on. Go ahead. God created the heavens and the earth. Sometimes Christians sometimes I, get so intent on defending creation because God's creation needs me to defend it, I tell myself, that mm-hmm. I turn creation into an ism and mm-hmm. something that I need to defend and I become more concerned about defending God's creation than saying, wait, the Christ was with God in the beginning and everything that has been made was made through him and everything that continues to happen is held together by him. <laughs> I give up on all that stuff and say, no, I need to defend God and how he created the heavens and the earth. So, so, so creation, that's, that's, that's certainly a doctrine that, that our church body has always treasured 
and, and disgust, right? That's an important thing. Um, even Isaiah, you know, I'm the Lord who created you. It, this, is, this is clear through Scripture. There's, there's another whole ism in this, and fundamental-ism, is the idea that there's, there's these fundamental doctrines that you have to believe in order to be saved, right? And, and you guys know some of those doctrines? What are they? They're well, inerrancy, I believe, is one. Good. So inerrancy of Scripture. Yep. My what entire about? mind just Yeah, there's like yeah. six of them right so, there, and I can't so remember them. There's 12. What about Jesus being born? <laughs> oh, Jesus was born of a virgin. Right, right. had right. a virgin birth is one of them. Yeah. Right. Um, that there's a heaven, mm-hmm. um, and when you die, you will go be with Jesus in heaven. Or? Or be or, condemned. Right, right. And, go and go to? Hell. Yeah. Okay, okay. so, so this, these are fundamental, fundamental and, if, and, and, and actually the beliefs have changed a little bit over time as far as what's listed as fundamentals. Oh, there's but, three persons of the Trinity. Right, right. the Trinity is, is a big one. Okay, <laughs> so, so what happens is, is fundamentalism was the teaching that, that these are the things that really make you a Christian, that define you as a Christian. And we would all agree with those things. There's, there's nothing on the list that we look at and go... Uh, no, Jesus wasn't born. Ever. These are of course Christian he was. Essentials. Yes, yes are these are essential things that we, we teach our children. They're, it's in the catechism. It's not most of them. Now, some of the when you get larger lists, it gets a little weirder. But but most of the real fundamentals are didn't make the list. Right, we didn't make the list. But but most of it is pretty fundamental. But the problem was that became the measure of salvation. And this is the weird thing: Jesus got bumped out of the center. It became all about the checking off each item on the list. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can say that. And mm-hmm. less about the actual person you were intending right. to confess. Right. By establishing a box like the fundamentals, you end up being more concerned about the box and turning those fundamentals into a to-do list or something that you can confess and assent to than you care about Jesus. And when Jesus speaks about being bigger than the fundamentals, just like we said, Jesus is bigger than the Bible, uh, we start to go, wait a minute, how, how can that be? Because we find the little box that we made for Jesus just got exploded. So... So I'm trying to figure out if you're saved. And so I'm going to ask you a list of questions about what doctrines you confess. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and if you check enough boxes, now I'm convinced you're saved. If you have the right answers. Right. Phrase if you have the right answers to enough of the right questions, mm-hmm. now I deem you saved. That's kind of not what the scriptures say at all. No. John says these are written... That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, we have life in his name. I mean, this is, it's, see, again, as we said last week, we're not trying to do anything weird or new. We're, we're really trying to encourage all of us to continue to make sure that when it comes to thinking about us and God, that the, the crystal clear reality of me and God is found in Christ, not in me, not in anything I do, not in my intellect, not in my doctrine, not in my trust that Scripture is the Word of God. All those things might help me, but the thing that establishes God and me, in relationship is a weird word, but the way that God and I relate, is the death and resurrection of Jesus. And 
you know, all these isms, whether it's fundamentalism or biblicism or even sacramentalism or any other kind of things that we can put in there, but we say, well, that's really Christianity or that's really where the focus is. It's moving it off from Christ. And, and really, when you, when you start thinking these things through, we all fall into these things. And I, and I really think in our church today, in, in America, in Western society, and even in getting a little more personal, we battle intellectualism, you know, where we kind of make the faith the ability to have really good doctrine or to really understand things. Or to defend it well or right. to express it well. Like I've got the right words mm-hmm. to say about this thing and I say it really well. Right. Yeah. And, and yet all of us rejoice when a child simply says, Jesus loves me. And we go, oh, yeah, that's, that's really what we're talking about. So it's not something that we don't know. It's just something we need to constantly remind each other of. It's well, This is why we talked about in our first couple episodes, Kevin, seeing things, remembering to, or relearning how to see things through the lens of Jesus. Right. It's, it's simply, what we're advocating here is is the starting point. Don't, don't start at the middle. So you don't, with Biblicism, you're starting with, I'm going to defend Scripture first, and it's inerrancy, it's infallibility, it's holiness, all those wonderful things which are true about it. And from there, I'm going to try and work my way to Christ and confessing him. Right, right. Peter, Peter, so, so do, you do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God because, because the Bible says so? I used to say yes to that. It's a tricky question. Isn't, Isn't it? I don't, I don't think I would anymore. Yeah. yeah. Which... I mean, this gets back to that, that uncomfortable feeling mm-hmm. that I had. Mm-hmm. Because <clears throat> here's, here's so li- those of you who are listening, I think what has been helpful to me is understanding that that discomfort might actually exist because it's pointing out my misplaced trust. That that's actually what's happening. I think, Pastor Ill, your description of what happened to you in seminary, I think... You can feel free to disagree with me, but this is your own experience of, uh uh-oh, I think I've actually trusted in something else other than Jesus. This makes me very uncomfortable. It makes me potentially angry, depending on who's pointing it out and how it's being pointed out and the fact that it's being pointed out at all. (laughs) Um, and, And becoming aware. So when Kevin, when you say something like that to me, ask that question, and my answer makes me uncomfortable, one of the things that I have learned to do throughout my life is say, okay, why am I uncomfortable? What is actually going on here? And in these examples that we're talking about today, we're trying to point out that, hey, that discomfort, that little spike of anger you feel, you know, whatever that emotional response is, might actually be telling you, you've trusted something other than Christ. Okay, so... And just... Work with it. Yeah, yeah, so work with it. So, 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 so let's, let's try, try this one. Pastor Bill, you're, you're not, not saved by your faith. Right. Isn't, Isn't that weird for a Lutheran to say? It sounds weird for a Lutheran to say, but I'm saved by Jesus. How is it that Jesus has saved me? Now we can start piling in the adjectives and the phrases. Jesus has saved me by grace, through faith. This is how the Bible talks. And where do I go to learn that Jesus has saved me by grace through faith? Scripture. 
or the gifts that he's given in the preaching of his word or in the gift of baptism or the Lord's Supper. I, I get all of these things, but ultimately the end of it all, the, the be all end all, the very center is Jesus himself. <laughs> and so Jesus is the one acting, saving me by grace through faith as it's expressed to me in scripture, in preaching, in teaching, in the sacraments, and so on. And that's all fabulous, but at the end of the day, it's always all about Jesus. So, so, so are, are you, you saved, saved by your, by your baptism? baptism? I'm saved by Jesus, who baptized me. Okay, okay so, so, so how does that, that I mean, like, why, why is that, that important to kind of say it that way? Because if I start to focus on my baptism itself... And if I leave Jesus out of the picture, which sometimes we do because we start talking fast and we're going in mm -hmm. shorthand, and then the more we say it, we start to believe it, then I can say, well, I'm baptized, therefore I can do this or that. And I've, I very subtly, very softly put my confidence and my hope in being baptized more than I've put my hope in Jesus. And... You can do it certainly with your baptism or with your right doctrine or with the Lord's Supper. The, the possibilities are kind of endless for the things that I can say. And, and I can even put my, my faith in my faith. I like to use this, uh, this word of fideism. Uh, fide. Oh, we got another ism. Yeah. Wow. All right. Fide come, is the Latin word for, for faith. And so when I put my faith in my faith, I can turn my faith into an idol. And that can really mess people up. Because, well, of course I'm supposed to have faith. But if I worry more about having a strong faith, or a vibrant faith, or a growing faith, or a faith that can move mountains, the scripture talks about all those things. But if I put my faith more in the faith itself than a faith that looks to Jesus... I'm All right, wait, 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 wait. Say that again. Faith does what? Faith looks to Jesus. See, that's, that's where it's at right there, right? Where does trust look? Where does faith look? It never looks to itself, right? It's always looking to Jesus. So ask me your question again that you asked me. So, I, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I believe that Jesus is the Son of God because, because the Bible says so. No. I, I might have first read that in the Bible. I may mm -hmm. have discovered it from hearing somebody who told that to me who read mm -hmm. it in the Bible. But I believe it because the Holy Spirit caused me to believe it. So while I may have first heard that information, heard that thing from Scripture, that's not why. See, this is, this is huge. This is actually huge because what happens is we're convinced that I believe in Jesus because the Bible says so. So what we think is... And we've got a song that tells us that he right. loves us because he says so. That's, that's why Jesus loves him, because yeah. like, the Bible says so. But, but even as an intellectual level, I think, okay, well, this passage convinced me that this is all true. So then I tell you the passage and you look at me like I'm from Mars. And I'm like, well, it's supposed, it's supposed to work. To work. I quoted 1 Peter 3.21 right. again. Right. Right. The baptism right. now saves you. It's magic, isn't it? Come on. Scripture it, said it. It has to work. It is clear. It is clear. That's what Scripture says. If you don't believe the same thing based on that, well, you're just rejecting God's word. Right. right. And, 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 and what I always say is poor God is kind of left out in the cold. You know, I, it, it's so essential for us 
to, and, and this is, I say this a lot, it kind of freaks some people out. <laughs> makes Peter cough, apparently, I don't know. But we need to crucify our flesh. We need to die to ourselves. You know, not just in the morning when you get up in the morning, make the sign of the cross and remember your baptism. But, but this is a reality for us in Christ, is that I'm always in the position of Christ. Really, Peter? I'm always in the position of Christ. Okay, so let's try again. I'm always in the position of Christ needs to crucify me with him, right? Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, so I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And that's the life I need. I need the life of Christ. And, and, and nothing else but Christ. And, and here's my trust. This is my personal trust. I don't want anything else. I don't need anything else. Is that if at the end of all of this, Christ returns and I'm with him, that's it. That's all I need. That's all I want. That's all I hope in is that this, this Jesus, who is God in the flesh, who died and rose to conquer death, to forgive sins, and to show me who God truly is. That's my salvation. Nothing else. It is indeed. And that's exactly why this is so important. The devil and the world and my own sinful self just wants to take over and start to drive the bus anywhere but to Jesus. Right. Right. But Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And it's that life, like you said, that's exactly what I need. Yeah. And it's, and it's what, what your children need. It's what your neighbor needs. It's what your church needs. I mean, really, we, we kind of get back to the reality of John 3.16 over and over and over. It's kind of quoted too much that it becomes trite, but... This is phenomenal when it says that God so loved the world. Remember, in the Gospel of John, world is not a measure of size. It's evil. The world is evil in John. So God even loves this fallen world, this evil, sinful world so much, you know, in such a way, however you want to translate that, that he sends his son. And that's the rescue. It's, it's God sending his son that rescues. Now, I just want to review real quick before we, we, we end here. We talked about biblicism, we talked about fundamentalism, we talked about fideism, we talked about all kinds of isms. Creationism. Creationism. Are any of these things doctrines or teachings that we would disagree with? No. I'm all about... Wait, are you talking about the isms? Right. Or are you talking, okay, no, that, I wanted to make that, sure we're, that I'm the, understanding the question. The, the, I, I, I want to make sure people are clear on what we were saying and not saying. Oh, these things are things that we do believe. They just aren't things that we believe in. I believe that scripture is the written word of God. Any errors? No, it is inerrant and infallible and, and fabulous. I believe that God created the heavens and the earth in six days, days and nights, uh, evening, morning, and it was good. Um, I believe that uh, we are saved by Jesus, by grace, through faith. This is... This is absolutely what we believe, but our faith always we has believe its in the in virgin Jesus, birth. In the virgin we, we, birth. We believe in, I mean, these things are, are treasures of the church that we, we teach our children. So we're not saying in any way to minimize any of these things, only minimize them 
when it's compared to Christ himself, right? Right. I mean, I, I just want to make sure everyone's very clear on this, is that we firmly believe these doctrines with our lives, truly. But you know what? None of them save me. It is Christ. And it's because I believe in Christ that I've learned to believe that the Scriptures are the Word of God. It's because I believe in Christ that I treasure the sacraments through which he says, he promises that baptism saves. He promises, this is my body, this is my blood. He promises that faith comes through hearing. He gives my pastor the authority to forgive my sins. And when he forgives my sins, it's like, it's just as though Christ himself were standing there forgiving my sins. See, it's because Christ teaches me by his Holy Spirit to believe these things, never the other way around. So I just, I want to make sure we kind of cl close on that. Do you have any final words for us, Pastor Il? It's all about Jesus. And that's good. Yeah, it's that's really awesome. good because if it was about anything else, I'd screw it up. But Jesus comes for me from outside of me in order to save me, to save everybody around me, to save his church. He died for all people, for the whole world, as evil as it is. And that's where our faith is. Faith always has an object. We always have something that we trust in. And that something that we trust in is Jesus. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Bye. Bye.